We're just going to recap a tiny little bit, speed version. The first week we talked about the thing called the ecclesia, right? How we need to have a proper mindset of what church is. It's the gathering of God's people that have been given authority to make decisions on behalf of the kingdom, right? It's, that's the ecclesia, right? That's that word. It's not just that this building, right? It's not that this place is the Lord's house. It's that we gather together in the name of Jesus and stuff actually happens in his name for the kingdom of heaven. That's the ecclesia. And then we talked about how church is a family. And we talked specifically about how the church is a multi-generational family that we all desperately need each other. We talked about Jesus as big brother Jesus, right? It's actually scriptural. He's our, he, is, he is talked about as our brother and how we get to grow up to be like him, the perfect one. We also talked about last week as, as the church, as the bride of Jesus. And we looked at the passage in Song of Solomon where the husband is just ravished and in love with his bride. And in this pouring out of his love for the bride, she is matured and grown and more confident in his love. And it's a beautiful, beautiful picture. And we looked at the fact that we need to, as his bride, collectively come and pursue intimacy, close relationship with Jesus. That's all awesome. And certainly I could probably do two years on the church. But today, um, I want to touch on one more point. And, and it's actually, there's a purpose behind this. So the first week was we need to think rightly about just the core base of what the church is. And then the last, the last two weeks with this week is what the church does. And who we are makes what we do. So we are a family, so we minister to one another. We're a bride, so we minister to God. And today, um, we're going to touch on a point that has been misused, so I'm going to have to unpack a little bit, um, and I'm going to try to help us do this appropriately. Um, an army, which is our ministry to the world. So there's ministry to one another, there's ministry to God, there's ministry to the world. And so as we consider the church as an army, how many of you uh, grew up in the church and used to sing that Sunday school like, I'm in the Lord's army, that song? Yeah, okay. Some of you guys know that song. Um, so like there's this army, it's depending which background you come from, uh, this has been used, uh, but right like full stop right off the top of the message. Um, I want to just honestly say this piece and aspect of the church being an army has been one of the most misused, misunderstood um, pieces of the church's identity. And what I mean by that is in the name of Jesus and in the name of the kingdom of heaven, there has been a lot of violence done throughout history. There's been a lot of um, pride and poor judgment. And that is not what we're talking about when we're talking about army, okay? Um, we're not talking about coming in and forcefully making people do what we want in the kingdom of heaven. No, we're called to a different thing, and that's called loving enemies, right? We're going to dig into that today. Um, we weren't called to go and make converts 
of all nations, we are called to go and make disciples of all nations, people that willingly love and want to follow Jesus. So when we think of an army, we're not thinking of two equally opposed forces like the saved ones and the not saved ones, and we're fighting them. That's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is we enter this kingdom of heaven, right? We sang about it today, where Jesus redeems people. He heals people. He saves people. He's forming our hearts to be like his. We enter this kingdom of heaven, which is here in part and is coming in full, where we see what was meant to be in the garden, and we see that it is starting to come back that restoration of relationship with God, that right way that God designed this whole thing to work. And that's the kingdom of, of heaven. So if you would, I think, oh, it's up there. Um, you get your Bibles ready anyways. And I, and I think you can flip open to Acts 2. Um, that's where we're going to spend a part of our time today. But as we get set to do that, you know, we're just going to go through, like we have the last few weeks, a whole bunch of scripture, and I'll tell some stories. And I just want to give us a vision for what being this army of God actually looks like. First and foremost, we want to see his kingdom advance on the earth. Unfortunately, our mental concept of that is, well, like what we see in war where someone forcefully imposes themselves on others and takes them out. And that's not what we're talking about. But this is an awesome passage. Matthew 28. So this is after Jesus had risen from the dead. He has a, a few last days with his disciples. He's teaching them. And uh, this is how the book of Matthew ends. It says, Jesus came and said to them, his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore... And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This just makes me so excited. <laughs> um, <clears throat> throughout, <clears throat> excuse me, throughout church history, I was getting too loud there, um, Throughout church history, this has been a mandate of the church. Throughout church history, this has been taken as a charge to the church. Go and make disciples. Jesus has been given all authority. He is the commander of this army. What he says goes. He says, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So that's what we're going to do in two weeks' time. <clears throat> we have uh, a few folks that are going to be being baptized where they signify that they are buried with Christ in the likeness of his death and raised to walk in newness of life. Their old self is dead, and they have been born again by the Spirit of God. <clears throat> it's a wonderful truth. And so what Jesus is saying here is like, this is for you, but it's not just for you. You guys need to go. He told a whole lot of parables uh, in his time, in his, really his short time of ministry, three and a half years. He told a lot of parables about what the kingdom of heaven was like. We've looked at a few of these here. And one of the ways he describes the kingdom of heaven is like this mustard seed, 
right? And it's planted, but it grows up into this massive plant. Or he also likens it to the yeast, right? And the leaven, where this tiny bit of yeast goes into the dough, but it makes it rise. And so it's something that starts very small, but it is meant to expand. It's always been, the kingdom of heaven has always been meant to grow. It's always been meant to expand, right? And the primary way that Jesus expands his kingdom is his church. He uses his church. Now, when his church is really messing that up and missing the mark, he's so gracious and he goes and interrupts people. In the Muslim world right now, uh, he is calling people to himself um, just through dreams and visions and people are meeting Jesus. It's fascinating what God is doing right now. His kingdom is expanding on the earth. Did you know that? Like we sit here in this space and like we're a pretty small church and for the most part we read and we think and, and, we, and we see what's happening in our culture around us. And I was talking to a friend this week who was mentioning that, you know what, like their kid's probably the only Christian in their class in school and, and like we're the minority now, right, in, in this culture, like by far. But, but that's just where we are. That's just where we are. The kingdom of heaven is expanding on the earth like crazy. Iran is exploding right now. It's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, Laos and Vietnam, the, the church is like, you read the book of Acts, and it's like way more numbers and, and amazing stuff. I wish I had time to tell you this morning, but, oh, maybe we'll tell you another time. Next week, actually, I have a, a friend of mine from Bible school. He's been, uh, he and his family have been ministering in Liberia as missionaries, planted a church there uh, for the last four years, and they're back right now, and he's going to come share with us next week. I'm really looking forward to what he's going to share with us next week. But Jesus has all authority, and he commands us to go and make disciples, and that's all of us. That's not just me or Nick or your elders. Like all of us, go and make disciples. Now, to different extents and in, and in different ways, but making disciples, teaching them what Jesus has commanded. I love what Mark, how Mark put this. And this just gets me even more excited. So remember, Jesus has all authority, and we're going to read this passage. Afterward, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at table, and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they had not believed those who saw him after he'd risen. So he comes to his disciples, and he's like, come on, you guys. <laughs> I kind of told you this would happen a whole bunch of times. Anyways. <clears throat> Jesus said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Like, go tell them the good news, you guys. I'm alive. I'm here to redeem and reconcile. You have right relationship with the Father. Go tell everybody. Go and share it. <clears throat> Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. See, this is why we baptize people. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. This is why we go. We go because we, we desperately want the Lord to save people. 
Because his heart is for them. We don't want anyone to fall into condemnation as far as it is up to us. This is where I get excited. And these signs will accompany those who believe. It's not like, I'm just going to pause here before we read the signs. It's not like these signs might accompany those who believe sometime. These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. So that's speaking of his authority. And they went out and preached everywhere, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. So if we're an army, we have a mission. And our mission is to now, that we've read this, to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and in the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that Jesus has commanded us. That's our job. That is the commission. That's this army's commission. And it comes with not just, okay, go. It's like in this army, if you want to use the warfare, it's not like we are just sent out by a commander with nothing. Like we have power from Jesus to go and carry out his work. He empowers his church with signs, with wonders, with boldness, with courage, with godly character, the fruit of the Spirit. He empowers that in us that we would go and carry out his mission on the earth. You tracking? See, it's this moment where people can get real uncomfortable because I want to make it so I can do it in my own strength. It's way more comfortable if it's just a natural thing that I can just slide into. But when you deeply need to rely on the Holy Spirit, on Jesus' power in you doing the work, then it brings us to a whole other level of trust and obedience. And it brings us to a whole other level of reliance on one another because no one of us has all of these gifts and can do all these things. And it's all according to his will. It's amazing. See, it gets me really excited that there's going to be some of you here that do not yet, but are supposed to cast out demons. There is some of you here that have not yet, but will heal people as you lay on your hands and pray. And there are people sitting here today where I've laid my hands on your shoulder and you've been healed physically of things, and the miraculous has happened. It's amazing. This is our commission. So that, what? So that people could be healed? No, that so people could be disciples of Jesus, knowing him and delighting in him forever. That's the point. So an example of this is in in Acts chapter 2, as I said, had your Bibles there. Um, This is the, the part where... The Holy Spirit has now come on the 120 in the upper room, has come and filled 
the small group of Jesus followers, like this is just a tiny little beginning. It's like that yeast, right? It's like that mustard seed. There's 120 people. This is the kingdom of heaven on earth now. And so they're filled with the spirit and Peter, Peter gets up and he just like has this rocking sermon. And he just preaches this sermon filled with the spirit of God and he preaches this sermon And at the end of it, in verse 36, we're going to read the response to this this sermon. In verse 36, at the end here, he says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him, speaking of Jesus, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And if you actually look at the original language, like, it wasn't just like they had some form of like conviction, like they were in anguish, like they were, they were distraught over this. They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the, re- the rest of the apostles, brothers, what should we do? Like what, there's all this good news. We get to, we're invited into this kingdom. We need to repent, but what are we going to do? Peter said, again, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is now, it's growing, right? There's 120 that just received it, and now Peter's saying, repent, be baptized. See, he's being used through, through the Holy Spirit working through him, and now people are like, okay, I'm in. What do I gotta do? And Jesus says, repent. Be baptized. You're going to receive the Spirit. This thing's going to keep growing. It says, for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized. See, not everyone will receive the word, but our job is to give it. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Can you imagine? First of all, they didn't have microphones in those days, so Peter must have just been just rocking it. Just super loud voice, and he's preaching, and 3,000 people that day gave their allegiance to King Jesus. They were baptized. They weren't all standing up here sharing their testimonies. It was just like, okay, dunking you, dunking you, dunking you, dunking you. Um, it, it was, it's awesome. And if that's your fear, by the way, we're having a baptism service in two weeks. If you're like, I don't want to stand up here and share a testimony, guess what? You can just come in the tank and I'll just say, you want to follow Jesus with your life? You're dead to your old self and born again in him? Yep. Psh, done. <laughs> okay? Come talk to me after. I want to just free you from that, from that fear. Um, cool? Good. I don't know. Maybe somebody needed to hear that today. Um, 3,000 souls. So we hear this and we're like, oh, come on. Can you imagine? That would be amazing. Can you imagine just 3,000 people gathered some, I don't know, Oak Bank somewhere, right? And then we have to go down to those weird man-made lakes behind your houses and like start baptizing people in there? 
That'd be awesome. 3,000? It would like upset the order. Well, I tell you, around the world right now, tens of thousands of people are coming to Jesus every day. It's amazing. It's amazing. The kingdom of heaven is advancing. And now what I don't want us to do in our comfort, because I think lots of it is born out of our comfort and our apathy and yeah, our culture. I don't want us to just sit here and be like, oh, I just love the missionary stories. Like, probably not going to happen here. No, like, you will cast out demons. You will have the power of God, the Holy Spirit. You will receive him along with the forgiveness of your sins. And you will answer this commission to go and make disciples of all nations. You will. It's this kingdom mentality that we must have. I talk about it all the time, I know. But it's the kingdom of heaven. We need to know who is reigning and ruling in our life. Who has all authority in our life? Who gives us our mission? Who dictates what our culture and what our laws are is Jesus. His culture is the Sermon on the Mount and how we live appropriately. His culture is righteousness and peace. That's, that's the kingdom of heaven. And we live in a place where we are exiles because that is not the kingdom that we see with our eyes. But we as an army get to come and enter into this opposing kingdom, which is actually run not by our prime minister and not by our politicians, but by the prince of this world. And his name is Satan. He's the devil. And that is who we're warring against. Not our neighbors, not power authority figures, Way more powerful people in the heavenly places. Way more powerful beings. And so as we think about that, we're like, oh, what? But what you need to know is it's not like, it's not like a battle line's drawn up where it's equal forces. No, no, no. Jesus has all authority. And we know that in Ephesians, he says that we are seated with him in the heavenly places at the right hand of the Father. And we don't enter into this battle from a place of losing. In fact, the victory is his. So we abide and we remain in Jesus. And we go as he sends us. And we actually see stuff happen. Like we actually see him move in people's hearts and lives. Like we actually see people give their allegiance to Jesus It happens. I'm so excited because we should be baptizing people here regularly. Um, I think lots of times we're just distracted from our mission. We're distracted from our mission. Um, real quick, I think we get this a lot if you're a Pine Ridger because we talk about it often. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, cosmic powers over the present darkness, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We are in a spiritual battle. I'm going to say it again. If you're not engaged, you're losing. Okay? You're in a battle whether you like it or not. We need to be engaged. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand an evil day and having done all to stand firm. 
So it starts with us individually. We need to remain. We need to stand, right? Because we are being attacked. And, and, and in order for us to stand, we need the armor that God avails to us. We're not going to get into that today, but you can continue to read in that chapter. Uh, this is God's plan. This is God's plan for his church. To me, this is, this is Paul. Though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God. So he's just telling everybody the good news. God who created all things so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Is our church making demons tremble because God is on the move? Is, or is he like, I got them way too busy with all the other extra junk in their life. They're not even doing anything. Got them distracted. Or even worse than that, um, they don't even think that I'm a big deal. They don't even give thought to the devil at all. <laughs> well, if you're not thinking of, of him at all, like he's already got you. But our job is to show to the rulers and authorities in the spiritual realm how powerful and wise God is in his plan to use us. Does that get you excited? Like to be used that way? Like it makes me excited. Because apart from Jesus, like I'm done for. But he would use a weak vessel like us to disarm rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. That's, come on, that's good. <laughs> that's good. I've told these stories of, of people that have been delivered from, from demons. It's, a, it's reality. It's reality. What's next? Oh, yes, this is what uh, Paul writes to Timothy. He says, Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. So often when we think of war, when we think of an army, when we think of going out and conquering, we think of we need to conquer because we need our comfort. So much battle happens to save our own skin, to gain comforts, to gain land, to live a more luxurious life. That's not what this is about. It says, first, it says share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. So there's that army language. We're soldiers of Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. It's like a, you're, in this, you're in the middle of this intense battle. You're in the trenches. There's bombs going off all around you. Your commander says, gives you his orders, and you're like, hold on. Domino's is over there. I ordered a pizza, and my show is on right now. So I'm not, I, can't, I can't get engaged right now. Stupid, right? No soldier gets invo involved in civilian pursuits when there's a war going on. Now, Jesus is gracious 
<laughs> and we need to hold this with his yoke is easy and his burden is light and he gives to his beloved rest, right? And there's times of that, but it's not all the time. Sometimes there's suffering as a good soldier. Sometimes there's battling in the heavenlies that we need to do together, again, on behalf of the world, for the sake of the lost, for the sake of those whom Jesus died for. He's still fighting for them and asks us to enter into that. Um, you know what? So I'm going to share a little story, and it's, it might make one of you in here feel awkward. So don't shift too much. So uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, this is really weird. Like I came into the church, and I checked my church mailbox, and there was a $100 bill in there. And one of you guys probably did that. So thank you. Okay, so there's a $100 bill in our church mailbox. And first thought was like, wow, that is so generous and great timing because we, we needed it, okay? Please don't hear that and just go like, oh, my pastor, like, oh, okay, don't come to me after and give me a ton of money, okay, please? <laughs> I'm telling you a story for a reason, okay? I'm just being honest with you. Many of you are in the same boat, Okay. So I got this $100, and I'm like, oh, we could really use this right now. That's awesome. I put it in my wallet and thank the Lord and, like, bless you, whoever did that. And then it was in my, it was in my wallet, and I took my two youngest out. Um, we went to the city, and I took them to Tim Hortons, and we're sitting there, and, and they're three and five, and they're being all cute, and there's icing everywhere. And, and um, I'm just enjoying time as a dad, Right? I'm enjoying this, and we're sitting at Tim Hortons, and, and I, could, that, I could easily just zone in on myself and my situation in that moment. But the Holy Spirit is really awesome. And so I noticed this family sitting over just across, across the way, and Tim's um, on Dougald there. And, uh, and I just, some, you know, when the Holy Spirit just grabs your heart, it's like, I noticed this family, and they were, um, I don't know how to explain it, for lack of a term, like just an obvious immigrant, fresh immigrant family. They looked uncertain as to what they were doing. They weren't wearing Canadian clothes at all, like um, whatever. I went over there, or uh, not right away. I was like, okay, cool. And I was admiring their family. They had three teenage kids, and this mom and dad looked exhausted, and, and uh, they were just at Tim Hortons just trying to eat a meal, just a normal day, right? But the, I just, my heart was tugged to do something for them, and I felt the Holy Spirit say, give them, give them that hundred bucks. Like, it's in your wallet. So, like, okay, cool, that's good, but, like, I don't want to make them feel awkward because their teenage kids are there, and, like, I'm sure it's, like, it might be maybe a struggle if they, because I, I trust when God says, give them a hundred bucks, like, they need a hundred bucks, Right? So I don't want to make it awkward for them. And then I was like, okay, Lord, like, just show me the time. And like, as I say that in my head, all three teenagers get up and go to the bathroom. <laughs> um, and so I'm like, all right, sweet, good, perfect timing. So I walk over, introduce myself. Hey, uh, I'm Josh. Uh, what's your name? What are, you guys, uh, what are you guys doing here? And so nervous, just looks at me. Uh, why? <laughs> what's, my, uh, what's my motive? Um, 
And then I said, let me tell you about my Lord and Savior. No, I didn't. I didn't do that. <clears throat> um, I, said, uh, I said, well, honestly, like, because you seem really nervous. I was like, honestly, um, I'm a follower of, of Jesus, and, and I, he's really generous to me. And I just think, flat out, I just, I want to be generous to you. And, uh, and I want to give this to you. And then the walls broke down. And I just... He wouldn't grab the $100 bill, so I had to drop it on him. <laughs> um, and the walls came down in that moment. And they were just, what, what? why would you do this? How? I told them about Jesus. I told them the good news. Um, I get to just chat very briefly because their kids weren't in the washroom that long. Their kids come back, and I say, oh, hey, like, what's your, what's your name? To the, to the husband. He says, my name's Emmanuel. <laughs> I was like, segway. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. Um, Emmanuel, do you know what that name means? What's well, my name? Oh, do you, know, do you know what that name, like me, the meaning of that name? He's like, ah, oh, somebody told me a long time ago. I, I don't know the name of this, my name. I'm like, it means God with us. And he's like, hmm, all right. I'm like, do you know who God with us is? He's like, no. I'm like, this is the Jesus I'm telling you about. And um, it, was so, it was such a cool moment. Now, I didn't, it wasn't like this like, movie moment where I lead him to Christ there and we baptize him in the sink at Tim Hortons or anything. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a moment where their hearts were touched by Jesus. And the kingdom of heaven is slowly expanding. And it took radical generosity. I could have used that hundred bucks for myself. But it wasn't mine. It was Emmanuel's. <laughs> so thanks, whoever gave that. But the kingdom of heaven is advancing. You are the light of the world, Jesus said. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. Show your good works. Battle in the heavenlies in prayer. Show your good works. Love people, all people. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who's in heaven. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? And actually, I know this keeps going. It says, you therefore must be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. That's what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount. Love your enemies. See, this is the kind of army we are. Because you know what happens when what Satan and, and his demons look at an interaction like I had with that family, it's killing them. <laughs> they do not like that. We're at war with them. And the kingdom of heaven is advancing on the earth. And, is, and, and we, the church, are that army that's doing that. Totally unlike any army that we could think of. But it's happening. As usual, upside down like our Savior's kingdom is. That's awesome, eh? So how many, just a ra raising of hands here real quick. I'm just curious, and I think it's helpful 
for us to think about. So how many of you here did not grow up in the church? Okay. So how many know Jesus because someone went out of their way to love you and share the good news to you? Pretty much all of you, right? Now praise the Lord for those of you who grew up in a Christian home because your family loved you and shared the good news with you. We all need it, and we all need to answer the call of Jesus to give that good news <laughs> to the world. We all need to do that. The mustard seed and the leaven, it starts small, but it's growing. And right now around the world, it is expanding like crazy. So this is our battle plan. We pray. We enter into spiritual warfare in prayer. We pray for people. We prayed this morning for the lost, right? We don't see or know or understand all that it is. All I know is that Scripture tells us to pray, so we pray and stuff happens. We share the good news so that people can hear and have a chance to respond. Just like Peter shared, full of the Holy Spirit, 3,000 people gave their lives. They received and they believed. They were baptized. They were filled with the Spirit. And so the story continues. And then love generously and extravagantly. The great commandment, right? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Didn't say love your neighbor as long as they're nice. Love your neighbor as long as they shovel your driveway for you. Love your neighbor as long as they're really, 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 really good neighbor. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's our battle plan. That's how the kingdom of heaven advances on the earth. And so to that end, we are an army. In this army, we need all of the fruit of the Spirit. That's character. All the fruit of the Spirit. We need the gifts of the Spirit engaged, as we read about in Mark. We need his gifts. We need to pursue. It says... Earnestly desire these gifts, Paul says, especially that you may prophesy. We're supposed to desire them. We need the gifts of the Spirit engaged in partnership with the fruit of the Spirit. We need prayer. We need preaching. We need good works. A resolve individually to stand firm by putting on the armor of God and then listening to the one who has all authority and just going. Is asking Jesus, what do you have for me? And even in a moment like Tim Horton's last week, just saying, I'm available to whatever you want, Jesus, all the time. And then he's faithful to, to bring that about. So if you would, I'm just going to pray over us and invite the worship team up for one last song. But, you know, as I mentioned we're supposed to earnestly desire spiritual gifts um, because it blesses the church and it blesses those outside the church, right? We will cast out demons. We will lay our hands on people and they will be healed. If you desire that, I'm, I'm just going to ask that you partner with me in asking for more of that. So let's, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you that you are here with us. 
And we thank you that you saved us. When we remember how much we've been saved from, oh Lord, we know that it, that it is our duty to go and we want to bring as many people into your kingdom as possible in gentleness and love. In fact, it's your Spirit's kindness that draws us to repentance. And so let us act like that. Give us the heart of Jesus for the world and confidence in you and you alone. So Lord, I pray for an increase in, in the fruit of the Spirit as we grow and as you sanctify us. I pray for an outpouring of the gifts of the Spirit, both the miraculous and just the talents that you've blessed us with, that we would engage those for your kingdom's sake. Lord, as I mentioned, there's, there's people here that haven't seen healing yet, but they're going to. Lord, pour out a gift of faith even that that is a thing. Lord, we thank you, and we worship you now. Our King, the one with all authority, we will go. Lead the way, Lord. Amen.